This is What Started Your Fund, where we explore the stories and insights, tactics, and best practices of first responders and emergency support personnel. Get inspired, get informed, get involved. Let's roll. Welcome back to What Started Your Fire. I'm Chad Dar. I'm joined today with Pat, uh, by Patrick Howell of the Tarrant Police Department in Tarrant, Alabama. How are you doing, Patrick? I'm doing well. How about yourself? I'm doing great. Thanks. Great. Um, was wondering if you could just share with us to start out, what started your desire in uh, in a career in law enforcement? Well, it, uh, it started uh, the emergency services period. I was uh, I started out with the fire department, okay. and I had uh, in fifth grade. I had my my parents was the uh, they were association with the fire department where I lived in Centerpoint, Alabama, and they were the, uh, my dad was president of the fire board. And so of course the fire chief would come by our house all the time, you know? And so he asked me one time, he said, you know, you, know, you want to go with me to a, we're having a practice fire. And I said, heck yeah, you know, I love it. So I went with him on this practice fire and it, I mean, it was awesome. It was great. But right in the middle of that, they had gotten a call on a head-on collision between, uh, you know, a motorcycle and a, and a truck. Mm-hmm. So he says, "Get in the car. We got to go." And so uh, I went with them, and I remember that whole ride to the scene. I mean, it was just, uh, you know, to a to a fifth grader, you know, the lights and the sirens and going fast and going through lights, and you know, it was real exciting. Um, so you know, we get to the scene, and of course, he tells me not to look. And don't tell a fifth grader not to look. You know? right, right. <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, it was pretty graphic. But but nevertheless, I mean, it, that's what that's what bit me. Um, th- that emergency service, that going on that call, that that rush, that adrenaline, uh, that 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 kind of nicked it. And so he got me a scanner so I could start listening. And uh, I started out as a dispatcher uh, with the fire department, and I was uh, volunteer. Uh, firefighters as, as early as I could be one and uh, got hired on, you know, as, as full-time with, with dispatching. Then I went on to Birmingham fire later on uh, dispatching for them uh, before I, I, I got in police, but uh, my, my police then had started while I was at the sheriff's department. And uh, I mean, excuse me, at the fire department, the sheriff's department had a reserve program and uh, deputies used to come by the fire department all the time. And, uh, you know, I said, hey, why don't you come? Same thing. Hey, why don't you come ride with me? And I was like a fifth grader again at the age of, you know, 21. So, uh, you know, I I hopped back. I hopped in the car with them and uh, we we rode around and, you know, it did it. That that was it. And and it was too much sitting around as a fire department for me. It was uh, just just a lot of bore down, a lot of boring times uh, then. Then it's not now they're they're uh, getting it now. So they're one of the busiest fire departments around sure um but at the time uh you know it was just too much sitting around i wanted more action 21 i'm ready to go uh so i, I joined the reserves at uh, in 1991 and uh i've been doing it ever since so uh as soon as i joined the reserves i, I became sergeant later on and uh after academy and uh then i i got on our personnel board list in our county and got hired on with uh, another agency, and I was there for about sixteen years. So um, I fulfilled uh, two or three, you know, different positions there that that was really rewarding. SWAT and what have you. So 
it, it's you know it's been with me uh, most of my life. Sure. And, and sure. Uh, so it's, it's about all I know. You know, it's I've, I've tried venturing out, and it, you know, for a little bit, and it didn't work out. I just uh, and the whole time I was not in law enforcement, I I, I felt uh, naked in a way. Uh, I felt a little lost. And so I, as soon as I got back in it, I just felt this ease come across me. And I was just, I felt like, well, I'm, I'm home, you know? So uh, even though it's gotten more dangerous, I guess, as you could say, uh, sure. it's, it's, it was still comforting. Sure. So if we uh, rewind back a little bit to your days as a dispatcher, sure. you were also volunteering with the fire service at that time. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. I was working uh, Monday through Friday, uh, day shift at the fire department. And then, on Friday afternoons, I would leave and and hop in a go and change clothes, go to the sheriff's department. And it was only uh, two or three blocks away. And uh, I would get in the car and I, w- I would patrol from three o'clock till six a.m. the next day. It was wow. about a sixteen-hour shift, okay. but I, you couldn't drag me away. I couldn't get enough of it, you know. And I had to force myself to go home and go to sleep. But as soon as I went to home, got to bed at, you know, three o'clock at shift change again, I was back there and I did another 16. Uh, Sunday was my only downtime that I, I tried to recover, get ready for the next week, Monday through Friday. But I loved it. And then, you know, sometimes during the week, I'd, I'd help out with something. So sure, if they got low. Tell me a little bit about um, the differences being a dispatcher versus being out in the field. I would imagine that. Uh, that adrenaline hit is different when you are kind of over the phone and over the radio directing on yeah. what's happening versus actually being hands-on. And I had that discussion. Um, as a matter of fact, with we've got a new dispatcher uh, at our police department, and I was explaining to her that it's a big difference um, when when you're on the phone with someone and it, it's you hear everything. You want to react. So, but you know, you're limited. You're limited to just telling uh, a unit or dispatching or whatever. Um, you know, so you're kind of left most of the time with unanswered questions. Uh, you don't know how the call turned out a lot of times. There's a lot of questions, you know, how'd they end up? Did they, were they okay? Or, you know, um, and, and I think that's one of the downfalls. And not being out there and knowing that side um, of the business, the the one thing I, I I think it ought to be mandatory that everybody go through sit in dispatch before they hit the road, because and vice versa, uh, dispatch ought to go to the road because they need to know we might be busy at a car dealing with somebody when they're trying to uh, you know ramble off a tag to us, um, so. Uh, it, I just think it would be if if they had that knowledge of what was going on. Um, I, I I explained it. I explained to her that I you know when I was working at Birmingham, I worked three to eleven, and I, the phone did not stop ringing. So when I was off work, I, I unplugged everything in my house that made noise. Uh, but the stress level was immense. I. I I would get off at 11 o'clock and it would be two o'clock before, you know, I would get to sleep. Um, my first shift as a full-time police officer was a night shift, seven to seven. 
12 hours. I worked those 12s. I got off at seven and I almost fell asleep going home. I mean, it's just the difference in, in stress. Um, it's a different kind of stress. You can do something most of the time about the stress when you're a patrol or on fire or whatever. You've, you've got an outlet. You can see that answer. You can see the ending and it helps out. Being behind, not knowing and just being in a room, uh, you know, you, you're hearing all the stuff. It, it's it's quite uh, it's quite frustrating. I, I had luckily had a um, I was able to tell a grandmother how to do CPR on her baby. And and by the time the paramedics got there on the scene, um, they were able to revive the child and you know, the, the grandma revived the child. And so that was rewarding because the lieutenant called up there. And of course, they um, they gave me a, you know, a little recognition and, and all for it. And, and it was rewarding for that. But, you know, the main thing was that I know that grandmother did everything I told her to do. Uh, and and a great outcome came of it. You know, she was able to get her child back, her grandchild back. Yeah. And, uh, paramedics didn't have to do anything. So the lieutenant on the truck was pretty, pretty heavy. <laughs> and that uh, statistically speaking, um, when somebody's doing CPR, the outcome is not typically survival, right? No, and it's so not. It's, having no. somebody that you're guiding through who may not have been trained in how to do that and may not have a lot of yeah. experience on knowing, knowing, uh, especially on an infant, you know, chest compressions right. and breathing and how much you do and how quickly and having the adrenaline and, and everything running I mean, to be a part of that. That's, it's pretty amazing to, to have that. It was neat. It was real neat. Tell me a little bit about th- those, those wins that happen, um, every so often that, that means so much. Does that help you get through the other pieces that that are a little bit harder to kind of carry on your shoulders? What started your fire is powered by ultra bright lights. Ultra bright lights is on the road and on the scene with vehicle warning lights, sirens, controllers and more as we support police, firefighters, EMTs, security, towing and others who demand the best in exterior vehicle lighting. Explore our huge selection at ultra bright lights spelled with a Z dot com. That that gets through your 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 bad days. Um, your and what I mean by my bad days is you know the days that you, you're getting fussed at or the the you know the citizens are not liking the police today um, or you can't make anybody happy. You can't you can't solve everybody's problem. And so you know it gets frustrating. Um, and you know I I did have an incident um, on, on a robbery. Uh, armed robbery where the guy robbed a jewelry store and I was I was able to um, get the information of the vehicle that he was in and, and actually see that vehicle going down the road so I, I was able to get in it but well he had carjacked that vehicle so there's two hostages in the car uh, and I was able to chase this this individual uh, for a while but he, he was shooting at me the whole time um, so it was it was quite uh, of a challenge to you know, you can't shoot back. You got hostages, um, a lot of safety issues with that. And I just had to follow and, and keep with them until uh, I could get some help. And then it took about 15 minutes. Um, he popped off about eight rounds and uh, we were able to get him blocked, uh, got him out. Um, I know when I approached the car, he, he went and fired at me one more time, uh, about five feet from me, point blank, and, but it jammed. 
uh, thank God. And I was able to wrap, you know, wrap the, my hand around this gun and get them out, both the hostage out, uh, all the money uh, that was taken from the individuals at the jewelry store, their wallets, all of the rings, uh, everything that was taken was returned. Nobody was hurt. Uh, you know, one ring that was up underneath the car was about twenty thousand dollars. So uh, the owner of the uh, it was a mom and pa type jewelry store. And they, you know, owner was very, very happy. He got everything back. And uh, I was just happy nobody got hurt. Nobody got shot and killed because it was he had already he had already told the uh, he had stole the phone from one of the uh, occupants in the car and said, hey, I'm going to. He was talking to his acquaintances and said, I'm going to kill this cop and we'll, I'll get back with you. So he was planning. We, and matter of fact, I've got parole, uh, a pardon hearing coming up on, on that individual in December. So um, I'm hoping to be able to go to that meeting and voice my opinion to keep him in prison. Yeah. So he got life. But, uh, you know, we're going to try to but he's got option of parole in 20. So, uh, you know, that's coming up. Yeah. So how do you deal with that on, on uh, you know, when the next call comes up or six months down the road? Talk a little bit about uh, about kind of clearing your head and being able to to get to that next call um, without that incident or examples of that incident kind of weighing on you. Well, you know, you take each call. As it is, you take each call by you know, one at a time and you, you evaluate each one different. You can't treat everyone the same because it's not. Um, my going on 32 years of police and I, I just haven't seen where every call is identical. It's just not that way. And you got to go in with the mindset that, OK, I've got a call on a, a barking dog complaint. It, it's going to be the same every time um, because it might be different. Uh, it might be a wolf out there that's barking, you know, right, you don't right. know. Uh, so, you know, you, you just, um, if, if I guess I had to learn how to do that. Um, I couldn't, I couldn't answer the call in my head before I got there. So, um, and I think a lot of my uh, rookies that I see come through, they, they get repetitive on some of these calls, some of these alarms, you know, same alarm going off every night, it's burglary alarm and, you know, at a business and they know it's somebody closing up or opening up or, you know, they leave a cat inside or what have you and uh, sets off motion detectors and, you know, they get, they get complacent and complacency, I believe is, is kills more officers than anything. Mm-hmm. Um, lack, lack of training and, and complacency uh, being too lax on these calls. Sure. And, and, and I, you know, I agree. I, it's happened to me and it, and, but, and it still does, it still tries to creep up on you. And it's just a fight that you got to put in your mind that, you know, this might be it. This might be, it sounds like a, a little call or nothing to it, but this might be the fight of your life. You don't know what you're going to face. Right. So, and I guess that's what keeps me in the business. Um, is that unknowing on each call, you know, right. Uh, it's just, it's it, and I believe it's a calling. Um, I believe it's it's definitely a calling that not everybody's meant for this job. Uh, not everybody's meant for a fire service or dispatching, or or I'm not meant to collect, you know, climb cell towers for God's sake. So, <laughs> right. uh, 
and you know, I tried that and it's just not for me. So, um, I, you know, I just, uh, I, I believe wholeheartedly that we're picked to do this. Um, it's just, you know, I, I had no idea I'd be doing this as a little, uh, I mean, I kind of had an idea when I was a little kid, but I, I was aiming actually all through high school to be, to go into sports medicine. Uh, I was uh, an athletic trainer and had a scholarship at UAB uh, as athletic trainer for the um, women's volleyball and the uh, baseball team. So sports medicine was my my goals, and that's what I was supposed to be doing. Uh, and then I came in and told my dad my second year that I was quit and became going to be a cop, and I think I gave him a coronary. <laughs> 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 Did he understand a little bit just with his term on the with his service on the fire board? Did he? Did yeah, he, he understand did. It? Yeah, I, you know, my mom, uh, my mom became vice president uh, later on on the board, and would go down and ride with him every once in a while. She loved it. Um, so you know, they were very supportive um, with me going to the, into the police department and uh, scared, which is normal. I mean, I've got a kid that's you know, my boy's twenty four, and you know, he was thinking about going into, into the police work or fire. You know, I said, I, you know, I somehow he, I think he read me too much because he says, you, you never wanted me to go. And I said, well, I didn't ever want you to go. It's just uh, I don't want you to go. Right, <laughs> you know? right, so, right. Uh, but, you know, it, it's just different. It, you know, the job has changed so much in the years that I've started to yeah. where we are now. Yeah, um, this thing. I mean, you know, just all kinds that's changed. Yeah. Yeah. So with uh, with the new officers, uh, you know, coming out of the academy or new to the department, what kind of pieces of advice do you give them based on all the stuff that you've learned from fire service to dispatching to being on the street? What what are your words of wisdom that you share with them? The main thing is manage your stress. Stress management, um, I think, is very, very important. I had to learn that the hard way. Um, I learned that years ago when, uh, you know, I basically was having a mental breakdown uh, and I, I didn't know it. I didn't have any hobbies. All I did was work. If I went working my regular job, I was working side jobs, um, you know, making ends meet. And, you know, it's just the, the way it was. You know, police officers don't make a lot of money. Um, and, and, you know, I had two kids and I was, I was doing everything possibly I could to put bread on the table and I was wearing myself thin. And, uh, I, you know, I, I had, a, I had a, uh, just, a something snapped in my head one day and I was like, mm, I was just numb. So, uh, you know, I went to and seek, sought help and that was a life changer. Um, literally a life changer. Uh, I, he said, get a hobby. I said, well, I don't fish. I don't hunt. And that's it's too cold. And it gets too hot for fishing. And it, both of those cost too much to even get into. I said, you know how much a boat is? It's $40,000 for a boat. And uh, I'm like, so and I did. I, I got a motorcycle. And that was it. You know, I, that was my freedom. And and I'd get out and ride. And, and I would come back. And I felt washed. I felt great. Um, until I started using it to work, <laughs> right? You know, I used it for uh, for doing funeral escorts, then. so uh, it was it was um, 
but it, it's it's good. It, it's good. Relax. I, I find whatever hobby you can get. Is what I tell them. Okay. Um, I tell them that, and and going on calls, take a deep breath. We have we we've got officers that's already been in numerous accidents uh, just because they rush, they rush, they rush, and you know I, I just try more than anything. I try to emphasize if you don't get there, you cannot help. You know, you're doing no good if you're wrapped around a pole. And uh, so just slow down. Just uh, that half second's not going to matter. Right. You know, you've got to get there. And, and you know, you, you tell them, but it goes in one ear out the other. They, they've got to learn most of the time on their own because they're right. type A. They're type A. And we all are. And we're hard-headed. And, you know, it's just... <laughs> That's, I mean, that's why we can do this job. Right. Um, is is part of that hard headedness. So, right. Uh, I, you know, I try to emphasize more more of the you know spend time with your family, have your have your um, have your downtime, no matter what it is. If you you know uh, watch movies or you you know some guys read, some guys hunt, some guys do different things. Um, and, and if you're into that, and that takes you away from this job no matter which what field you're in if it if it lowers your stress then do it yeah excellent well patrick i appreciate you sharing your experiences and words of wisdom with us today uh thank you for your service and stay safe out there thank you appreciate you absolutely thanks for joining us and a special thanks to our subscribers consider becoming one today what Started Your Fire is a production of Ultra Bright Lights, who invites you to visit us at ultrabrightlights.com and explore our emergency lights and lighting technologies. Ultra Bright Lights, spelled with a Z.com.